Hey. Hey, yeah. Hi. That was terrible. Let's do it again. Let's all be ready to say hey, but don't shout it. Okay. <clears throat> hey, everyone. Hello. Hi. Is that right? It's morning. All right. Three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Hi. Yeah. All right, here we go. Welcome to At the Table. Thanks for tuning in to episode six. Um, Today, we are going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath. Um, I'm here with John. Hello. Beth. Hi. And Lucy. Hi. As per. Funny, we don't have any, like, holiday, do we, from the podcast? Like, we don't have to book it in or anything, just, like, we're all always here. Well, absolutely. Yeah. We're yeah. always just sitting with the mic in front of us. Yeah, right <laughs> always <episode>. waiting. <laughs> just like, Come next on. episode. <laughs> People think we live together anyway, so. Yeah, that's true, in the at-the-table house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> table HQ. Can you imagine if we had a house? How is everyone? Yeah, all right, mate. You? Yeah, good. I enjoyed... The dinner, dinner that Lucy cooked for us. Absolutely. Nice Chinese stir-fry rice. Oh, Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no different than my... Well, thanks for that, <laughs> Thanks for that, Lucy. Yeah, it um, was. I was. I was actually just thinking about... I was going to make a comment about the bamboo, but I didn't... No, go on. Tell I us made, about your I bamboo just, revelation. Like it was the first time I've tried it, like... Not, not as a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, not that... <laughs> Disclaimer, I do not eat my coffee cups. <laughs> so if you've randomly decided to tune in for episode six of series two and you haven't been listening, um, we're currently in the middle of a Sunday school classic series. So we're looking at mm. um, old Bible stories that lots of us did in primary school and Sunday school and places like that. And we're just trying to revisit them and look at what the Bible actually tells us and compare that and see if we learn anything. Um, so as I said, we're doing David and Goliath today. Does anyone have any memories of this story from growing up? A stone, does it? Estonia. <laughs> Estonia. <laughs> okay, a rock. That's literally all I've got. Okay. I didn't even remember that. I just remember him being a giant. And David, I don't know if I was actually ever told this, but I always pictured him as like a really small man. So basically I'm picturing like big cook, little cook. <laughs> <laughs> like that big of a contrast. Yeah. Yeah. I always picture, like, you know, the film Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, like... Yes. <laughs> like yeah. You're, like, it's pitched to you as this, like, real differential in size. Mm. I always think about a giant man and a little kid. And, like, David's always depicted as really scrawny, skinny, like, sparrow kneecaps. <laughs> um, but they're always wearing, I don't know, like, leather... You know, like, gladiator wear? Oh, yeah. Like, David is always wearing, like, gladiator... <laughs> You type like it's that too big for him. Yeah, that's like leather tart like tartan skirt, <laughs> and then like Jesus sandals like straps wound up to his ankles, and yeah, then the slingshot. That's really this might be a very niche reference, but CBBC show Raven. Mm. Yeah, what they all Plastic. used to wear in that, I reckon. Yes. That's what I picture. Yeah. Obviously, I was picturing that before that show even existed, but still, big old battlefield, big space in the middle, little little David. Big Goliath. Yeah. Bish bash bosh. Done. Head cut off. What? Head cut off? Yeah. Is that actually what you remember? Yeah. I don't remember a beheading. That's not oh, how okay. it goes. That's awkward. Well. <laughs> he doesn't get beheaded. He gets hit in between the eyes with a stone. I just. I, is a small stone. Well, we'll see. Let's see, eh? What? John, please would you start us off on the reading? Do you know what, Joe? Yeah? You might be in luck. Because I think I can. 
<laughs> now bear with me guys there's a lot of uh, random names in this so i might say a few really rank wrong ones um okay so this is called david and goliath now the philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokol in judah they pitched camp at ephes damin between Sokol and azka saul and the israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Nice Gath, mate. <laughs> he is, who was from Gath. <laughs> his height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? I am not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Guys, I hope I did the names justice there. I think you did very I've well. No idea, so. yeah, sorry if we offended anyone. Anyone with any of those names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel a bit stressed out. <laughs> I found that very descriptive, actually. Mm. I felt like it was like um, when you do like creative writing at school and you're like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're like, describe everything, like really yeah. build up the character. That's what I felt like they were doing. It was on a warm summer's day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they really knew how to set the scene. Yeah, I just think all these... Uh, Listing of all the measurements and this bit of his armour weighed this much. Yeah. And I was actually looking up some of them. His scale armour on the back weighed like 80 kilos, sorry, 60 kilos. Um, and the end of his spear was 7 kilos. Mm. I think obviously the point of all that is to tell you how big this guy was. He was 3 yeah. metres tall. Um, and he, his armour alone was really weighty. Mm. So obviously meant to get a picture of this guy as... Like, proper hench. Yeah. I've written down on mine, like, next to the measurements. So, what it says he was, whatever. It was his height of six cubits. That's nine foot nine. Mm. That's tall. It's pretty large. Okay. Like, we don't really... Like, there's, that's really hard for me to put in context because most people are, like, six foot. So, that's another three foot added on that. That's just mad. That's it? like NBA, isn't it? That's like... Um, I mean, they're eight, like, seven foot something, aren't mm. they? Some of them. Or, like, a comically large baddie in mm. an old mm. film. They'd have like a henchman that was really tall, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Isn't it funny that height signifies dominance and power and 
like it's almost like if someone towers over you it's mm. very domineering but it's almost like a, pre- a little bit oppressive to have like a small versus tall thing isn't it yeah and it reminds me of that filming technique of like an enemy you film them from below because it's like you're looking up at them and they're a great power and you're mm. beneath them that was the kind of image I was building up in my head. It'd be very hard to look that person straight in the eye. It is very oppressive. And even if people don't mean to do it, like you can't really choose how tall you are, but it does just make you feel like, I don't know, it's weird. Well, I stand at five foot one, so it doesn't take much to be taller than me. And it's just kind of weird when you're trying to like take charge of a situation and you're looking up at everyone and you just feel like small and mm. it always reminds mm. you of your stature when you're like trying to be a big person if you see what I mean Mm. obviously they're not trying to do it but people have to naturally look down at you and it's a really like I don't like the feeling at all but there's nothing you can do about it and it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that I'm a smaller person and they're better than me or anything it's just weird that we attach Mm. these things to height Mm. but sometimes people do use their height to their advantage Mm. as well don't they they know they know the power they have in that Mm. and some yeah sometimes people use it for bad reasons it could be that um goliath is one of those people mm. i just always remember as a kid when you not in trouble but when adults used to kind of look down at you with their hands on their their knees kind of going like, oh yeah like bending, know, o- yeah, bending like, over sort of to okay you johnny now it's time you know it's like uh, you make you almost like feel tiny don't you yeah and, sort of in the way almost yeah it's not nice having said that though i thought goliath was like an actual giant like mm. meters tall like 10 meters tall <laughs> what i find really funny in this story is that in verse eight it says goliath stood up and shouted to the ranks why do you come out and line up for battle am i not philistine and are you not servants of Saul? choose a man to come and fight me and then it skips and says Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. To me, it feels quite weird that they're afraid of sending one man out. Like, why is that scary for him, for them, sorry, to send one man out? Did, am, I mis- am I misreading it or...? To be honest, I get a bit confused when there's so many different names and places and things. Yeah. I lose track of the story a little bit, so I need to just have a little recap for myself to remember what you're talking about. Mm. See, I, I think it's because they know... They look at Goliath and his stature and think we're going to lose because we've got no one like him. So they they are right for what's to come. So they're like good point. So I think they're kind of like, oh yeah, this, if we lose, this means we're going to be servants to these Philistines. So I think that that's that's what the point is. I think they're kind of more sort of dismayed and worried for what's to come. So now continuing the second part, reading from verse sixteen. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. I didn't realise they had cheese back. Oh no, I was just thinking, I was like, cheese? <laughs> Take these Mars bars. This is like, you know, <laughs> you know, like in youth when there's like a word that just gives the giggles and nobody can get out the Bible verse and the youth is like, come on, guys. Okay. Take um, along these 10 baby bells. Take <laughs> <laughs> 10 baby bells. Commander in chief. He's doing a flipping Tesco shop, isn't he? <laughs> He's doing click and collect. <laughs> 
I love that he's just taking these baby barrels to the battle line. Like, oh God, that's all he's worth. He can't battle. All he can do is take the baby barrels. <laughs> just fighting for all these people. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. <gasps> Maybe he hit them with a baby barrel because you know in the advert when they used to roll and bounce. Like, <gasps> yes. <laughs> Um, so take along these ten cheeses to the command of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all of the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse directed. He reached the camp and as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of our living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, That is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those sheep in the wilderness. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? David said. Can't I even speak? He then turned away with someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So, uh, first point that Beth read was that for 40 days Goliath did the same thing like that must have been very boring anyone <laughs> mate come on it's 35 days in I mean I would have given up by like two hours and uh, no one had gone forward no yeah 40 days can we just clear up the difference between a Philistine and an Israelite because I don't think I'm the only one that doesn't know I have no idea <laughs> That's the thing, there's all these no. words in the Old Testament. You're like, yeah, Israelites, Philistines, we know these things, Samaritans. And you're like, actually, <coughs> what is the difference? Is Philistine as in Philip Philippians? Stein. Beth, do you know? Because obviously Israelites is obviously Israel. People of Israel, but what does that mean? That's why I wonder if... What's the, I've already forgotten. I think it was just the Israelites were the ones that walked, journeyed to the Promised Land, wasn't it? So they were the ones that left Egypt with Moses and they journeyed from Egypt... Like out of slavery to Israel, which was the promised land given to them. That may be wrong. Okay, so then what's the Philistine? Because now we take that word to mean a bad person, don't we? We say, oh, you Philistine. I think it's, we often use it like culturally, don't we? We say Mm. like, oh, you don't like classical music, you Philistine. Yeah, Yeah. but then the same with the word Samaritan, that's become to mean a good person. Good Samaritan. Yeah, exactly, but it doesn't mean that. That's like their, I don't know, religion or... Well, it's to do with your, where you're from, isn't it? I thought it would be like pagan because, like, the thing where he was like the uncircumcised, like, it's mm. like a yeah. proper cuss, isn't it? Like, Philistine. Oh, sorry, I was just saying that. Yeah, like, 
the uncircumcised who is this uncircumcised <coughs> man in front of me like no so the philistines were an ancient people who lived on the south coast of canaan from the 12th century bc until 1604 bc when their state after already having been subjected um subjugated sorry for centuries by Assyria was finally destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonia. Love that. And name. after becoming part of his empire and its successor, the Persian Empire, they lost their distinct ethnic, ethnic identity and disappeared from historical and archaeological record by the late 5th century. Whoa. The Philistines are known for their biblical conflict with the Israelites. So, a bunch of people. So, they were sort of different religions, and the Israelites were the ones following what we know as our God. Yes. Okay, that's a bit of clarity. Yeah, it's just a bit confusing, isn't it? I was going to say, I think I've always, whenever I've heard the difference between like Israelites and Philistines, I've always thought of it as geographical. So I've always thought of it like Israelites, Israel, Philistines, and other people from another place is what I've always done. So like, it's just interesting, isn't it, hearing mm-hmm. the, the, the difference? I think one of the things as well as it gets confusing is that Israelites, people... I mean, I could be getting this completely wrong, but Israelites often just included people who f- who followed the faith. Like they included a lot more people. So, I when I think of Israel Israelites, I often think of people who just followed the f- Jewish faith and not necessarily were just from Israel. But that's. But I think the biggest difference to understand is that Israelites were following a monastic one God, the God that was from the Jewish faith, whereas the Philistines weren't. I think that's like the biggest most important difference okay we'll go with that and if anybody out there knows that we're wrong please correct us yeah, <laughs> i thought the other interesting point that came up was the fact that david walks to the battlefield mm. to give some like a packed lunch to his brothers <laughs> and like it, it says like goes to the battle as they're about to head off to their battle positions and it's like do you think they're all like oh you come to fight too oh cheers <laughs> No, I've just got my pet lunch for my brothers. (laughs) Mum just... Do you think it's like when your mum has to drop off your PE kit at school that you've forgotten? Uh, Just like leave it at reception. (laughs) Oh, mum, it's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Just like little David. (laughs) I forgot it deliberately. (laughs) You can tell they're embarrassed because his brother's quite rude to him, isn't he? He's, Mm. He's like, why have you come down here? He's really... It's like, he's just bought you cheese and grain like be grateful yeah, you're on, you're having it you're in battle and you're like moaning about him but it, it is that kind of like embarrassed like his younger brother probably not big enough old enough to fight and you would be like quite embarrassed wouldn't you i guess mm. i was thinking though quite different brotherly relationship from the last one that we looked at if you listen to our last episode we were looking at the story of joseph and his brothers who sold him into slavery and they just had like pure evil intents really didn't they apart from one whereas this he is rude to him but it kind of also feels just like the way that an older brother would be annoyed at his younger brother turning up at like his battlefield (laughs) like imagine if your little brother turned up when you're like in front of all your mates trying to be cool and then he's like here's your sandwich brother (laughs) like you'd be like oh mate go away it's so annoying so i can see like where that annoyance has come from yeah yeah, it is like your mum turning up at work. Like, oh, mum. <laughs> Just go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm an adult now. It's quite interesting, though, isn't it, how Goliath just taunts them d- relentlessly day after day, comes out, shouts to them, have you got someone big enough to fight against me? Like, it's just psychological terror and fear, and it's working really well. Like, he doesn't have to fight anyone because his 
image and his presence is fearful enough that people don't actually fight him physically they're just this emotional fighting you know it's like the fear of you know the threat of war now you know we don't necessarily don't have to bring men into it we have these horrific weapons that just and if you've got them you're the scarier country you know the more you've got the the scarier you look or you know it's terrifying really isn't it it's just like the psychological warfare game yeah. that we have now it's that can happen you know we don't have to have necessarily the biggest physical army anymore or the tallest man the more nuclear weapons you've got the bigger or, threat or you are cyber war yeah mm. misinformation but it's kind of like a stalemate though isn't it because if no one's going to fight him then what what have they achieved in 40 days just they've stood still because what are they trying to achieve they're trying to get land no they're trying to get each other as slaves or something aren't they yeah. where is that i think it's just about conquering i think the more group of people you defeat you take yeah. on a slaves mm. and you then become a superior race don't you the more the more a people you acquire yeah the higher up you go so, so it's a power thing and they're yeah. basically just waiting yeah. for each other to crack yeah mm. i think it's like an empire building thing yeah i think you know anything around that era anything like that you look at the roman empire look how that kind of went like it was literally just invade conquer mm. this is now our our rules our ethos kind of thing and i think it's always that's what they're fighting for and if they're almost fighting for their freedom in that so that and their beliefs should we move on to the next bit so continuing from verse 33 to 44 saul replied you are not able to go out against the philistine and fight him you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog, that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I might be about to look really stupid, but have we actually heard the word Goliath yet? Chapter 4, a champion named Goliath. Yeah. Okay. Goliath stood and shouted. It's just really interesting that he's not referred to by name very much, whereas David is. He's like obviously cast in this light of the enemy, the other mm. person. That's mm. quite interesting. My other observation is that I never, I've never heard any of this detail before about... Mm what he does and mm. all this lunch stuff and like <laughs> all this lunch admin and yeah kind of the dressing the conversation with the king i've never heard any of this 
This is a revelation. Yeah, I don't know if you've watched the film The Hobbit. I always imagine David being like one of the hobbits, like this really small <laughs> kind of hairy beings. Little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like then you've got man, like Saul, being yeah. like Aragon, for example. Because there's a, there's a scene where um, Frodo puts on this this armour, like this chainmail stuff, and it's like really long. It goes down to his... He's like ankles. <laughs> and I always imagine like David being like that when you're putting on all this this man sized it's like putting your dad's suit on as a kid. You thought you were really cool, right? I'm wearing a man's suit, but actually you look pathetic because you're wearing this oversized suit. But I can always imagine him, like the weight of it and him trying to carry it. Yeah. But actually, how old is David in this, does it say? I don't think it specifies, but it does say he's like little more than a boy. Yeah, so he must only what... be like ten or eleven. Yeah. I was thinking like teenager. But certainly no match for this no. nine foot bloke. But then about the uniform, that's interesting because we all said we pictured him in this like oversized uniform. But it goes to great lengths to tell us the details that he put on the king's mm. u- armour and then couldn't wear it and took it off again. Yeah. Like, isn't that a funny piece of information to include? Yeah. Like he put all the incredible armour on <clears throat> had a little walk around like when you're in Clark's and you're trying on your new school shoes <laughs> he like it gave it a little <laughs> uh, not all of us John <laughs> oh. <laughs> he like gave it a go and then couldn't wear it so he took it off again yeah. but why do we all picture him still think, in it yeah I think it's funny that um, he told anyone because if I tried it all on and it didn't fit I would not tell anyone I'd keep that to myself <laughs> yeah but it's the king's armour maybe you would you'd be like oh yeah the king gave me his armour yeah but I couldn't wear it it was too big <laughs> exactly <laughs> keep that to myself I always think about when I read that passage and when I was little I used to love wearing my grandma's big coats like my mum used to have these faux fur coats that were really beautiful and extravagant mm. and me and my sister used to love trying them on and there's these hilarious pictures like you know, it's like three quarters of the coats on the floor because we're like three, four with these heels on. Yeah. They're too big. My grandma's handbag and gloves, <laughs> like just drowning in it, looking so ridiculous. But, but I bet you thought you were world class. Yeah, you just love it. Like it's like a magical thing to you, but yeah. it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but and I think that's I think the point of it is a little bit purposeful on the author's part to to show how not insignificant that David is, but to show how. Like he doesn't have, he's not going to have this armor. You're, it's like building you up. It's like a good story. Like, so he's not going to have the king's armor. So what's he mm. going to do? Because it mentions right at the beginning of the bit that Lucy just read how Saul's like, you're not able to go because you're young. And I just always think about that disqualification of like how we always say like, oh, the young aren't qualified to do things, yeah. and how we always measure ability to be able to do a task or in this case, fight or be or minister or take a role in church. It's like, oh, you're too young to do that. And it's like, well, actually, God provides the tools, the wisdom, the equipment. Who are we on this earth to say God hasn't called you into that? Who are we to say just because you're young and don't have the experience doesn't mean that you don't have the strength of God to be able to complete this and the things from God to be able to do it. And I, I love that this story is a real example of your in God's eyes, no one's disqualified from being able to do anything. This gives such power to people who may feel like they're the small, the mighty. Like, I'm only a da-da-da. Well, David and Goliath is an example of that doesn't matter. And I love that. The reason there's no armour for him is because man hasn't made the armour big enough because they don't expect him to do no. that and to be able to be in that position. Mm. So 
it just shows the expectations of the the people around him. They don't think he would ever be in a position to need that armor. Mm. But I actually, he goes and shows them that he is. Sorry. And I, I love that when David sort of says to, to Saul about him defeating the, the lion or the and the bear. So he's like, now I'm going to prove to you that I can I can do this job because this is what I've done before. So he's like, I've defeated... Uh, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Like it's saying, that's the strongest creature so far that I've... I've gone, and that is probably more powerful than this bloke standing in front of me. I can do the task. I was like, I am qualified yeah. to do it. Mm. But it's not just him, because he says that the Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand mm. of this Philistine. Mm. So he's not saying, I'll do it on my own because I'm so great. He's still giving that over to God. And then it's Saul who like, accepts that faith and like has that same faith in him mm. and says, go and the Lord be with you. And it's not just saying like, you're small, but you can do it. It's saying, like, the Lord will protect you because you're doing this for the right reasons or mm. whatever, so I think. And those things, like, and those things, David being a shepherd, having that battle against the lion and the bear, that was God that, that gave those battles for him to do, to prepare him for this moment. It's like, you know, we people wouldn't necessarily see shepherd as a fighter and someone qualified, again, going back to qualification, you know, actually, to be a shepherd, you've got to be a pretty tough guy like or girl but you know you will you're facing things in the dark you have to stand watch over these things you may face lions bears wolves you know you've got to be pretty fierce and tough and it's like everybody always underestimates that job as those that are they're not mighty they're not powerful they're not deserved of military you know warfare you know they're not soldiers or whatever they don't fight in the army but actually they're tough people god commanded them to watch over the flock that's a precious powerful job and god gave david these things to prepare him for this battle and it's like he need not that he necessarily needed that but it's just it's just it's that thing to saul's like you said lucy saul's like oh well <laughs> if god protected you from that he must maintain his promises and he'll protect you in the future battle and it's quite it's quite a lot of faith, though, on Saul's part, don't mm-hmm. you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's only got this guy's word for it that he's, you know, fought a lion and a bear, but he's still putting his faith in him and God to bring him through. Mm. Um, I noticed something interesting as well in this little section just before we move on. Oh, um, go on. <laughs> I will. So, in verse 42, right? So, in verse 42, it says, He, Goliath, looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Mm. And I was just thinking about Goliath and his life and what's led him to this point and what would make him despise this enemy Mm. who he's just said is little more than a boy. And I actually felt sorry for Goliath because I was thinking, he'd be looking at this boy surely thinking, I can easily kill him. He's tiny. I'm so big and I'm so strong. I'm not scared of him. I can get rid of him quite easily. So for him to despise him rather than, you know, feel some sort of power over him. And it says he despises him because he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. I just thought, 
Goliath, being how tall he was, probably didn't have much say in his career choice. Mm. So as a nine-foot man, he's probably been enlisted to the army quite young. He's been sort of turned into this killing machine with no control over his own life, maybe. Mm. Because as such a big man, he maybe didn't feel he had the options to be a blacksmith or a carpenter. He felt... Nice and tall. Yeah, fair point. If they had windows back then. Librarian? <laughs> anyway, he probably didn't have much choice because he was big and strong and he was like an easy fighting machine. So he was enlisted into the army, maybe at a young age. And through all that fighting, he's pretty, he's pretty got battle scars. He's mm. pretty quite ugly from all the fighting. Um, he's going to have bad health. He's been on battlefields for so long and being at the forefront of the fighting as such a big man, he's going to have lost his own glowing health and his handsomeness that he maybe once had. And then he sees this young boy, David, and he just thinks, you've got your whole life ahead of you. You can do whatever you want to do. You, you've still got your looks. You've still got your health. You know, it's all ahead of you. Yeah. And that's behind me now because this is what I am. No one... I am a killing machine, I'm a fighter, I'm a nine-foot tyrant. I can't just, you know, become mm. the local baker. He's, like, lost that yeah. choice and ability in his life, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, it's just my own conjecture. But I was just thinking about people in our society that we maybe judge before we know what they've been mm. through and we think, oh, you do this or you look like that, therefore you must be this kind of person, but actually you've no idea what's taken them to that point in their life. Mm. And I actually love it when I see someone who I think would maybe be a certain type of person. So for me, maybe like like an older guy with tattoos maybe that you'd think, oh, you're going to be like a tough guy. Mm. But then actually you find out he like works at the RSPCA or something. Like yeah, I love it when people yeah. like don't meet your expectations in that yeah. way. And I just think like maybe that's Goliath. Maybe he doesn't want to be this person, mm. but he has no choice. He's been seen as this nine foot tyrant and he can't get away from that he's been probably chosen by the king or whoever's in charge of the philistines mm. to be this person and that's it now he can't do anything else whereas a young child like david has got everything in front of him mm. all this choice and i can see that people in our day in our society will think that about us as well maybe and think oh i didn't have the choices you have i couldn't go to uni i couldn't afford mm. it i wasn't clever enough my education wasn't good enough for mm. me to progress in the career that I actually wanted so I had to do whatever work I'm doing now because it was all I could get mm. and now it's too late I can't retrain I'm like even if you even to the extent that some people might get to their middle age and be illiterate mm. because they didn't have that education as a child they then lost all their opportunities for the mm. future and then they're looking at the children of today thinking oh you've got free education you've got free school meals Anyone can go to uni with a loan. You've got all these opportunities open to you. And yeah, maybe despise them mm. because they've just got... not. It's not on a plate, definitely not. It's not yeah. as easy as that. But the opportunities are there. The doors are there for us to go through. Mm. And maybe we don't realise that not everybody had those doors. Mm. I love that. Because I, I think we, we always focus on David. We always... This story is more about... We always think this story is about David and you always mm. forget about Goliath. Well, like Joe was saying, his name is mentioned once yeah. so far and it's all David, David, David. And like like you said, I think you saying that 
has really opened up the fact that I think David and Goliath shows two aspects of this story. You've got young prospect and someone who's lived. Mm. And like you say, Goliath, like you know, you don't know what his life was like to that point. Yet David, he's new to this stuff, and but he's got that kind of vain confidence, that mm. kind of you know. And I think that's a really eye-opening thing when it comes to this story because I think it shows that there's not just one aspect of the story. You always look at Goliath and say, oh, defeat the Goliath, you know, it's just this giant... The natural baddie. Yeah, like, it's not... You don't put a personality on it. They're just like, oh, kill him, kind yeah. of thing, or whatever. That's it. That's it. But actually, it, it doesn't kind of humanise him. And actually, Goliath was was a human... Goliath had a life. He might have had a wife and kids. <laughs> we don't know, do we? And I think it shows actually, like we like what you're saying, where he's like he despises David for these his handsomeness and his 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 health. I think it. I think it sort of shows the kind of the different spectrums of life, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'll just read the last bit of the story, which is verses forty-five to fifty-eight. David said to the Philistine. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, As surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. And with that, we finish. Well, I had no recollection of the beheading. That is pretty grim. I mean, I did, because I was like that kind of boy that was like, go on, cough his head. <laughs> In like Sunday school, that was my kind of... That was my vibe. <laughs> but it seems like the vibe for any Sunday school teacher now, like the, all the stories, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's everyone, there's some sort of like beheading or genocide.
I thought there was a lot of waffle at the end about whose son it was. <laughs> I was expecting like some brilliant like plot twist at the end where he goes, I am the Lord's son, but no. Yeah. Just waffle, 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 and then <laughs> I don't even care about the answer. Yeah. I don't care. Who's Jesse? I don't care. But it's like you can't just be your own person. Like you've got yeah. to be your father's son. Like, no, he yeah. did it himself. His dad's got nothing to do with it. He gave him cheese, for goodness sake. <laughs> well, yeah, now, now he cares who he is right at the end as well. Yeah. Oh, that was oh, my he, son. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, he's actually okay. Who is this guy then? Like, yeah. like, maybe he was disposable before and didn't really care. Yeah, maybe. He just thought, oh, yeah, you you go with the Lord's strength, you'll be fine. And actually yeah. he's like, see you later, David. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking earlier. You know, when the king was like, oh, the Lord's with you. Okay, off you go then. Like, I don't think that would pass like a health and safety inspection now. Like, <laughs> so David's dead, but I let him go because he said the Lord was with him. So my bad, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We haven't done the safety check on your ladder, but if the Lord's with you, you should be all right. Yeah. It's not my fault the Lord wanted him to die, so don't take me to court. Yeah. It was <laughs> That's what God's it felt will. like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that, again, it's just a brutal ending, like, so graphically worded. Like how did I mean like I like I said I remember the beheading stuff from my Sunday school days. Yeah, it's just so graphic. I just can't get over how it's like. And while still holding the head of Goliath, he's like, "Yeah, my dad's Jesse." <laughs> like, it's just like, like just put the head down. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just why you're it. But surely, if he's a nine foot man, like his head's gonna be Meat quite big. big. Meathead. <laughs> I didn't picture him having any hair either. So was he like holding him by the oh, ears? No, I did. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> You know in Harry Potter, you know how I always imagine Goliath? Oh, you know, the um, troll in Harry Potter. Is it not gr- Gruff? Grump? What's it? Oh, what's his name? Gruff. Yeah, you know Hagrid's brother. It's, yeah, his half-brother. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the troll in the dungeon. No. That's how I picture him. <laughs> oh, no, that's how I always picture Hagrid's um, like giant brother. That's how mm. I always imagine Goliath. <laughs> like with the floppy hair. Like. See, I always imagine him looking like Jason Momoa. By that kind of like long hair, yeah. long beard. Okay, fair enough. Tats, like yeah. Aquaman style, like Either way armor. though, the practicality is of having chopped off a head, it's going to be bleeding a lot, surely. That's what I mean, like he's sitting there holding it, he's getting all over his sandals and everything. That yeah, and they've a... like walked all the way back to whatever camp this was, because it says they strew the dead along the road to Gath and Ekron. Oh, there's just like dead people all along the it's road, just, and he's carrying this head. It's just carnage. And we thought... Yeah, the kids will love this one. Yeah, again. <laughs> Who did this? Yeah, but let's just focus on the fact that little David defeated Big Goliath. Yes, isn't that lovely? And the giant, that's why they picked it, for the giant. Yeah. He's not really a giant, he's just a tall man. <laughs> I'm not by any means justifying it, but if we think about the context of the day, that wasn't something, that was probably something that people, even children, were quite accustomed to seeing, was brutality, warfare... Um, so like now if we saw that we would be like I think I'd be scarred for life but in their in that time and context battles warfare like beheading crucifixions they were things that people saw very I'm guessing pretty early on I mean I I guess they would try to shield them but I I wouldn't think it would be necessarily anything that was shielded from them like it is us yeah beheading still happens in a lot of other countries Mm. doesn't it and these sort of things will be things that, like, modern refugees are fleeing from. Like, mm. dead bodies in the street. People carrying other people's heads <clears> around. <throat> like, that's still a thing in places. 
people wonder why they want to maybe go to a different country where that's not happening. What a surprise. Mm. <laughs> but I'm always, like, changing the subject slightly, I've always used this this story in the sense of mental health. Um, so, like, Goliath, I think it's like any message slash sermon growing up that this this story was used quite a bit to kind of encourage you with, like a mountain you're coming up against or a big thing in your way kind of thing like you know the going goliath. back to school yeah it's like it's like the goliath in your way kind of thing like yeah. what what can you do to defeat that goliath in your way if be it a job interview or whatever yeah but i've always looked at it in the sense of mental health and depression like goliath comes across very confident very like who are you in whose army kind of thing and actually i think we can we we are almost the army on the other side that are fearful of it, and sometimes we're we're so scared of what what that that is and what the outcome could be. We always almost kind of are too scared to sort of meet that Goliath face to face because we just don't know how to conquer it. But then like this this character called David comes in, and I always think of him as the kind of the Jesus character in this, like yeah, he comes in and just defeats him with the most simple thing, a stone and a, you know, and a slingshot. And I think if I look at that in my own life and how David is that Jesus character in my own life, he, I'm the army. I stand there waiting for someone to do it for me almost. And I almost depend on Jesus daily to defeat the Goliath in front of me. I don't know if that makes sense, Mm. but that's how I've always looked at his story. And I, yeah, I just don't know if that's encouraging for anyone listening, but... I don't know if you guys have, like, a favourite part in it, but I highlighted, not from this, but from another time, verse 45, where it says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with your sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, from whom you have defied. And similarly to what John was saying, I just, I think I love that, that, you know, you come against me with sword, spear and javelin and these are very earthly and very physical things. You come against me with things of this earth to try and attack me. So mental health can be one, broken relationships, poverty, addiction, financial worries, all of these things can be things that can come at us and attack us. But having that confidence to stay, I stand against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, that's such a powerful stance to go against. And I love that that this shows power in having the faith and trust in God to go into things. And I don't know if you've ever faced something really difficult or you guys have ever gone through something that's tough and you just sometimes you just need to take the time and do things. I know for Christians and or I know for us, John and I, when we when we're about to face something tough, we often go and pray. Like I remember when we had our present when we had to present our the dream and vision that we God had given us for Faversham, we had to present it to some of the team who run our area division um and I remember we sat in the car and we prayed about it before like I remember we were both really nervous about it do you remember it and we sat there and we like prayed and then you say like Lord God Almighty like we stand you know go with us and the strength that that actually gives you to face those things and another time like I remember when when John had his car accident or when John's mum was really ill I remember on the train up or in the car up like facing the hospital when you face the unknown I just remember like repeatedly saying to myself internally like the Lord is with me like these this verse here like we go in the name of the Lord Almighty like whatever happens I go with the faith I go within 
I go with God's strength, I go with the trust, I go with the knowledge and the wisdom and the power that God has given me, I go with the healing that I know God has over this and there's, there is so much power in saying that and having that faith and realising that the things of the earth don't matter, we don't need, you know, the things of the earth, the physical armour like Saul thought David needed, we have this thing of earth and I think it proves, you know, there was nothing that's, that could have settled us when John's mum was ill in hospital there wasn't anything of this earth, you know, although it was nice that we had family and friends with us to comfort us, nothing could have settled us. Only those moments when we when we held hands, when we prayed or when I spent moments in prayer, did I ever feel as confident in the outcome than those moments. Every other thing, all the other earthly things made me just feel anxious. You know, people trying to reassure me, as nice as it was, those words just felt really empty to me. But when people offered scripture, when people said, we stand together in prayer... In the name of the Lord Almighty, we ask for healing. There's so much power in that. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that too, maybe. Yeah, I like that, Beth. I'm really like pleased for you that you have that faith. And um, I think when it whenever I meet other people who have that like real strength of conviction about, you know, that God is with them and that they know the outcome because they trust in God. And I just think that seems like the ideal place to be. Like, I think a lot of us would love to be there to have that level of trust, but we don't always achieve it. And I've just noticed in the passage we were just reading, David was very, um, he was very convinced of his power over Goliath and he killed him with his first stone. So why then did he pick up five stones to put in his bag? If he only needed one, he trusted he would get Goliath with his first stone. Why did he feel the need to pick up four extra stones? Were they just in case God didn't come through? Were they just in case David himself wasn't as strong or prepared or ready as he thought he was? Is that a faltering of faith to have picked up five stones instead of just the one that he actually needed? Because I think maybe that's that's pretty where I'm at. I'd be like, yeah, God's with me and I've got this, but just in case, I'll take some spares. (laughs) And I think... Maybe a lot of people would be in that kind of situation rather than as strong as your faith is. Because I think you guys are like really, you've put a lot of time into your relationship with God. You've like, you've got that time at the moment. You've, you're like your job is to have a relationship with God. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You've got that time and you've been through all these things. Like you said, John had a car accident a while ago and his mum was ill. You've had these experiences that have had positive outcomes where you've been able to say this was, my faith in God that got me through it but I'm sure there'll be other people who've had similar experiences where a family member was in hospital and it didn't have the outcome they wanted or they had a car crash that wasn't as positive an outcome as you got away with so where's where will their faith be because of that will they need to pick up the extra stones in the future just because they haven't had those like perfect experiences already Mm. yeah I, I mean it's very difficult to I think the difficulty with faith is that it's so subjective and personal and 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 it and we do have those you know we do have those experiences that I am very grateful to have you know and I don't want to paint this picture and I know you're not saying this Lucy but I don't want to paint the picture that it's always been that crystal clear and that in those moments I think particularly with with John's mum there were definitely moments that I remember being on the train on the way back and I remember being very angry with God. I mean, I probably looked like I needed help myself on the way on the train back home. I was talking to myself. I was crying. I was very mad about just 
the situation and just the pain that it was putting through the person I loved the most in the world and it was really tough and I remember being like I don't see any positivity out I don't see anything positive in this god at all you know where are you it was in that moment that I was able to find something and I don't really know how it did it just happened but I'm sure there'll be experiences where in the future when those moments don't happen and I don't know what I'll do, I will do and I know just because those things have happened doesn't mean I don't trust God like there's a situation right now with us trying to have a baby you know we haven't been it hasn't been easy as we thought or had hoped and it's actually it is quite hard it's quite hard to um it's quite hard to understand um God's plan for things and just sometimes going into things um <laughs> my voice sounds so weak because I'm fighting not to um sound like I'm crying but you know although you know we could be in a much like worse situation um but there sometimes are things that I'm like oh like could I have any more could I demonstrate any more faith like this morning I just I saw a post somebody who I follow was announcing a pregnancy and I was like another one I was like really come on I was like could we be any more faithful like there's the polar there's like the end to that what you were saying Lucy you know like I've had these incredible experiences where things have worked out and so coming into this you think you're almost invincible and I think it's a, a real reminder that actually that doesn't always happen every time and sometimes we just have to kind of persevere we just have to maintain the faith and we don't have answers and while I'd absolutely love them I think it's it's a testament like at the moment like that is my Goliath like the face and the reality that you know it will happen when it happens and while like that's that's a very personal thing for me you know your Goliath Lucy will be very different as will Joe's or you might have one that you face together you might have separate ones but you know and it's it's almost like that we can't devalue somebody's own personal Goliath you know what I face is very different to what you will face and what Joe blogs over the road will face and how we go to it is going to be different and I do agree that I don't know I don't know how if I'd go to it like it's really you've really made me question like whether if when I go to stuff do I have my reserve like yes I've had those experiences where they've worked out and I've put my faith in God but I'm always surprised by that and does that show a lack of my faith like is that the same as David picking up the extra four stones because every because there's both times when God has come through and like the God you know there was healing for Lorraine and she has come out of that you know better like John was kept safe yet every time I was like I'm so thankful and I was like almost like surprised and is that me demonstrating that actually I have the four stones I don't know but that was a really long way and I mean I I've never focused or really ever noticed that part of the story like the five stones I just always thought oh he's picked up stones like didn't even think about it and I think it's just a very human thing to do I do find it really reassuring that when we come across these people in the bible I feel like you never find the perfect person the perfect person of faith I mean even thinking about the the extra stones I mean on one hand I want to say maybe David just knows he's really clumsy and he he's going to drop him on the way um but I mean 
made me think of Peter walking on water with Jesus. And that's someone who saw Jesus every day and he had absolutely no reason to doubt him on paper because he's seen him do these miracles and be the person of integrity that we would expect him to be. Mm. And he was even as far as walking on water and he still started to doubt mm. and everything just fell away. And I feel like whenever we see these people in the Bible, they show us that we can, <laughs> we can be these people too because they're as full of doubt and not understanding things properly and feeling far from God even the most perfect of them are still imperfect and I find that quite reassuring as well. Thanks for listening today. We hope that it maybe has made you think a bit more about the story of David and Goliath. I know that I've learnt some stuff, especially bits of the story that I never realised were there. I always find it really interesting how we all have different takes on the story and different bits stand out to us. Um, And I hope that as you listen to us, you might think of the story in a different way and you might pick up things that we've not mentioned or have a different view on something that we said. If you've got something you want to share with us, get in touch with us on social media and we'd be happy to hear what you have to say. Um, Next time, we're going to be moving into some of the New Testament Sunday School classics. So far, we've only looked at the Old Testament stuff, um, but we're going to be looking at some of the parables, um, the lost sheep, the lost coin, Good Samaritan. So join us next time. Um, So it's goodbye from me, goodbye from John, see you later, goodbye from Beth, bye, goodbye from Lucy, bye, and uh, goodbye from John again, bye yeah, because he was really excited to say goodbye just now, (laughs) see ya, yeah, too many now, (laughs) (laughs) TTFN, shut up, go away, get out of my house, okay bye.